Welcome to Beyond the Benediction. This podcast is created for the exploration of the Bible, the examination of the church, and the expectation of the Christian life. We will cover topics that will both challenge and encourage you and help us to live lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Toomer. This is Beyond the Benediction. Thank you for joining me again on another podcast adventure. If you're listening to me on one of the podcast apps, your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, or your iHeartRadio, thank you as always for your support. But show me some love on YouTube. Check out my YouTube channel, Beyond the Benediction Podcast. Go there, like, share, and subscribe so you can stay in the loop. So we're going to go right in to this week's episode. I'm doing another version, another episode of a series that I call In the Word, but Out of Context. And this week, we're going to tackle one of those scriptures that you see everywhere. You see it on bumper stickers. You see it on t-shirts. It's one of those rallying cry scriptures whenever someone is going through a rough time, excuse me, going through a rough time and someone's having issues or problems or their faith is low. It's one of those scriptures that just you may not even know where it is in the Bible, but you've heard it before and you've probably said it a million times. Of course, it is Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's one of those scriptures that, hey, man, if I say that, man, it reminds me of who I am in Christ and I can do anything. There's the, the sky's the limit. There's nothing impossible for me through Christ. Now, that sounds really good. And you know what? Is it really harmful? It can be, and I'll talk about it later in the episode. But on the surface, you might say, Kevin, okay, maybe it's not in the right context, but is that really bad that people were using this as, a, again, a point to boost themselves up, to empower them? Well, as we talked about in the last time we did one of these episodes, bad interpretation leads to bad expectation. The problem becomes, and I don't want to give the episode away too much, we're going to dig a little bit more as we go, but when you use the scripture out of context, you give the impression that what it says means something that it doesn't. And if you apply that to your life, then you are setting yourself for failure because maybe you have expectations for God and or yourself that aren't realistic. And that's what happens with the scripture because sometimes when you're in a rough situation or you're trying to do something, you just think, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. And a lot of times, if we're really honest, we don't even say the whole scripture. <laughs> we'll just say, I can do all things through Christ. We leave other part who strengthens me. We say, I can do all things through Christ. Well, you and I can't do all things. Now, why is that possible? Because we're not called to do all things. We're not qualified to do all things. And God has not required us to do all things. God has required us to do exactly what he's called us to do, what he's created us to do. So you're going, you're already seeing that sometimes these scriptures out of context can be very dangerous. And again, we're going to use, of course, I'm going to copyright this at some point, <laughs> the area method of how to dissect these scriptures. So we're going to use this area method so you can see what it really means in a proper context. And then also at the end, I'm going to give you a takeaway on how what you should be taking away from the scripture versus what we typically do when we say it or when we hear it. 
So now we're going to start with the A for area, the aim of the author. So why did Paul write this letter in the first place? So we're going to dig in. So the aim of the author, Paul, he was writing to believers in a city called Philippi, hence the title of the book. Philippians, written to the Philippians, those who live in Philippi. This was Christians in a in Roman custody, basically almost like a Roman colony. And the overarching theme of the book is really to thank the Philippian church for their generosity, but also to stand firm in the face of persecution. Remember, these are converts to Christianity. Some are Jews, some are Gentile, but in a Roman colony, in a place where Rome is in power. So, of course, there's going to be opposition from a myriad of sides, from Jews who are trying to tell these new Gentile converts, hey, you still need to follow the Torah, you need to follow the laws, you have to follow the dietary restrictions, and then just the, the people in general who have this issue with this new thing called Christianity. So, Paul was writing this letter from when he was in prison in Rome to the church, again, to encourage them about being persecuted, but also to thank them because they were generous to him during his time of being incarcerated. And we're going to talk about that uh, right now. <laughs> so it's, again, setting the stage of the aim. So it's the aim of the book, again, Paul writing a letter of encouragement and thanks to the people in the church in Philip. So now the scripture you want to use, want to start off right away, chapter one of the book of Philippians. We're going to go at verse 12. And this is what it says. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So you see that he's writing this letter to encourage him. Like, look at where I am. I'm in prison. And despite me being in prison, despite all the opposition I'm facing, it's actually helped to advance the gospel because they see him in the face of persecution, still being steadfast in spreading the gospel, still being steadfast in serving the Lord. So he's using this, again, to aim at author. He's starting off letting them know, hey, that my chains have been to advance the gospel. And he's saying, so consequently, the persecution that I'm facing, we're going to find out soon as we go down, you're going to face something similar to that too, but it's still for the advance of the gospel. So again, the scriptures is setting the stage, setting the stage for the aim of the book. Again, letting them know this church of Philippi, that persecution, be encouraged. You're going to face it. You're going to have it, but be encouraged despite the persecution, because just like me in exchange, your persecution leads to the push and the perseverance of the gospel. So now we're going into the R for the area, the regard for the style. What kind of style is this book? What kind of genre was this written in? Now, this is going to be really quick because we've already kind of established it already. This is a letter. This is one of those Pauline epistles. The epistle is basically a nice way of saying a letter. So G uh, Paul was writing this letter to the church. So this is a style of him telling what's going on, his feelings, he's giving direction, he's giving admonition. So we've already kind of, in the aim, kind of giving you a, a good gist of the, the style of the genre. This is a letter written directly to a church. 
It's not necessarily, it's not laws. It's not something where he's giving direction in terms of this is how you should live. This is not moral laws or anything like that. It's a letter specifically given to this church. Now, so that's something to consider. We're going to, we're going to recognize that genre. But now let me give you a scripture and we're going to start off first verse, first chapter of the book. Real easy and simple. Chapter one, verse one. And this is what it says. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. There you go. So now we see the style and we also get a little bit of the A. We get a little bit of the A and the R. You're getting two for one on this one. So we see the aim of the book, but then you see the style. He said, I'm writing this letter, Paul and Timothy, writing holy people who belong to Christ. So he's writing this letter. And again, of encouragement as well as thanks for what he's done. So now we got a stage. I want you to keep that in mind as we read and go through the rest of the book. That this who the, who wrote the book, right, Paul? Why he wrote it, his aim, and then the style. It's a letter of encouragement and also thanks to the church in Philippi. So let's keep that in mind because now we're going to get into the meat of it. We're going to go into the E. Remember how we talked about last time? Get your shovels out. <laughs> We're going to start excavating and digging into the text. So this is where you really begin to get the nuggets and the meat of what Paul is saying in this book. All right, here we go. Get your shovels ready. Let's start doing some digging. So now we're going to excavate the text, the E. So now we're going to start at chapter 1 and verse 27. We're going to read from 27 to 30. Now this is what it says. This is Paul, of course. Think above all. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you again or not, or only hear about you, I would know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Verse 28. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So now we're seeing, he's telling them no, giving this admonition, you got to conduct yourself in a certain way. Like me, I'm in chains in Rome, but I'm still standing upright despite my persecution, but I'm still living in a way that's pleasing to God. And it's also pleasing to those who are watching because they're seeing how I'm handling the suffering. So Paul is giving the same admonition to the Philippian church, saying that the persecution that's going to come, you stand strong in it as well. You stand strong in the face of your enemies. Keep serving, keep living a life that is pleasing to God in the midst of the persecution that you're having. And it says in verse 30, we're in this together. I'm not just going through this in my chains here. You and I are on the same page. We're on the same team. And it also says again, and this is something again, when you look at Philippians 4.13, you don't see it the same way now that you're doing some digging, right? It says you have been given the privilege of suffering for Christ. Wow, have you ever thought that suffering for Christ is a privilege? Let's keep it real. No one wants to suffer. No one wants to go through something willingly that's not going to be pleasant. 
But it says here, Paul is saying, there's a privilege to suffer for Christ. So now are you starting to think you can do all things? That's a real big hint about what Paul is really saying when he mentions chapter 4, verse 13. But we're going to get some more scripture. But now you're, again, now the picture pieces are starting to come together. This is why context is key. That's why we got to do some digging. But don't put your shovel away yet. We got some more digging to do. Okay, now we're going to go to chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 12. Again, here we go. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'm going to stop right there because that's one of those scriptures, again, that people use out of context. They think that means you have to earn your salvation. It does not mean you work to earn your salvation. It means you do the works that are consistent with your salvation. Because you're saved, these are the works you're doing. So you do these works with fear and trembling. Now, why do you do that with fear and trembling? Let's go further down to the verse. So now, verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you say you're working out your, your, your salvation in fear and trembling because it's God who's working in you. So the fear and trembling is fear and trembling of his presence. You're in his presence. You don't want to disappoint him. So with fear and trembling in all of who he is working in you, as it says in verse 13, to will and act to fulfill his good purpose. So we're seeing even that scripture. So you got a kind of a freebie on this episode. You got that scripture that we use a lot of time out of context as well. But it says right here, so you know it's working out in the sense of working alongside God in the works he's giving you for salvation. But as we digress, let's go on to verse 14. So now let's go to verse 14. And it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So, again, you're seeing the scripture. You're seeing the, the text, the whole book. It's not just a clip. It's not just a soundbite. You got to read the whole book in context. So now you're seeing again. The aim of the author, right? He's writing to encourage them. Hey, you guys are going to be persecuted. But also, hey, you have to live in a certain way that's consistent with the faith that you have. So again, Paul giving them encouragement. He's giving them admonition. And we also talked about it beginning. He's going to give them thanks. So we're going to see that as we go further down. But now, let's keep it going. We're going to go to chapter 3. So now, if we read chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 17. And it says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They only think about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, for the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So again, more of an admonition, more of a warning. And this, this is so interesting because 
even though this was written to the Philippian church, this is one of those things where you could make some emphasis from this perspective. That's going on right now in the church. You have people in the church right now who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. So some of these enemies are not just in the world. Some of these enemies are in the churches that you attend. And it says here, but we are citizens of heaven and we where the Lord Jesus resides and we are eagerly waiting for him to return. So why is Paul really driving this point home? Because he wants them to be focused. He wants them to understand what they're going to face, who they're going to face, and to keep their eyes on Christ. Because he's going to be the one that motivates them, that keeps them going in the face of persecution, that keeps them believing even in the face of everything that's going on. We read in the previous scripture, and it says it's a warped and crooked generation. Does that sound familiar? It does, right? So you see here, it says Paul is really making it clear, saying, follow my example. Follow those and others who also live according to Christ. Now, I will say this. There's a small takeaway you can get from this. You can see from this letter that Paul is writing to the Philippian church that these are some things that we can apply because we also are living in a wicked and warped generation. We are going to face persecution and maybe already are as Christians. And we are supposed to keep our eyes on Christ who is coming back. And we are citizens of heaven. So if there's something you want to be motivated by. That's what you want to be motivated by. Again, keep it in the proper context. We're going to face persecution. We're going to have rough times. We're going to go through some situations. But despite all of that, we're still blessed. We're still blessed, even though we have to be persecuted. And ultimately, our plan is to end up with Christ. And that's the goal. So we're seeing now, now the whole tapestry is being unfolded. Starting going down to verse chapter three. Now we're going to get. So chapter four, and now we're going to drive home the real reason we should look at this scripture differently than we probably have so far. So now we're going to verse four, but we're going to start at verse 10. Now, depending on what Bible version you're reading, you're going to have something. You know, you ever notice you look at the Bible it's broken down into paragraphs and sections. Sometimes each section has like a title or a a theme on the top. That's called a pericope. Now, chap chapter 4, verse 10, start the, the pericope over verse 10, that little theme. In the New American Standard Version, it says God's provisions. In the New King James, it says Philippian generosity. And in the, in the New Living Translation, it says Paul's thanks for their gifts. Now, this is starting at verse 10. Of course, it's going to encompass verse 13. So now, wait a minute, but it says I can do all things through Christ. But these pericopes are saying nothing about us doing everything. It's all about Paul giving thanks for their generosity. Hmm. So now you're starting to see, wait a minute, maybe I have been looking at this scripture wrong. But again, we can't separate chapter four from three, two and one. So again, a little bit of reiteration. Remember, we started off letter to the church, right? giving them encouragement, giving them admonition. And now it also is giving them thanks, rem reminding them of what they are facing, the fact that he's been persecuted, the fact that even though he's been in chains, it's been advancing the gospel. Everything at this point has not, been, has not been about people doing great things in that perspective. It's about, hey, 
you're doing, you're going to face persecution. You're going to go through some rough times, just like me. But I'm giving you encouragement to continue on despite the rough times that you're going to be going through. But now, let's go to verse 10. This is what it says. Paul, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it's like to be in need and know what it's to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, why can he do that? Because I can do all this through him who gives me the strength. You see that now? Wait a minute. Hold on now. It didn't say that he could just do whatever he wants to do anything. Again, what does it say? He knows what it's like to be in need or without. Hungry, full, rich, poor. Wherever state, it says he learned to be content. Why can he be content in any situation? Because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So a way to really look at that more clearly is to say, it's not him saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure these things through Christ who strengthens me. So now you see, you read the whole tapestry of the scripture, it makes it more clear that it's not something that's telling you that you can just do what you want and you have all this power. Not to say that you can't do anything, but the scripture's context is saying you and I can make it through any situation we face through Christ who strengthens us. Not that we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. So you see that? And then if we go to verse 14, kind of brings that point home. It says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. You see that? So again, Paul is giving in this, this, this explanation and he's giving them the gratitude. Thank you guys so much for blessing me, for doing all these great things. But I didn't even, I'm not in need. I'm in a good place. And I'm in a good place because I know what it's like to have more and less, rich and poor. I could be in any state because with God, I can make it through any situation. That's the crux. That's the message. That's the, it's the essence of what the scripture, Philippians 4.13 is really saying. So now we're going to the last letter, the A in area. So we have to accept what it says. Now we're going to go to verse 18 and look at what Paul says here. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Aphrodite the gifts you, the church of Philippi, sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, I got another free scripture for you. Look what it says, 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's another one of those scriptures we say a lot. Now, that's not the one we're tackling this week. But even if you look at it in the context we're talking about, Paul is saying that to that church, that because they were able to be generous in supplying his needs, that God's going to supply their needs. So even in that, the context is not just God's going to give me what I need. 
which he is because he's our father. But again, when you see the proper context, you could surmise. And again, I don't want to dig too deep in that verse because that's not the topic for this week. That Paul is saying God is going to do it in the face of their generosity, not just as a one-off deal, not just because he's obligated, which he is because he's our father. But he's saying because of what they did, he says, and because you did this and my God will supply all your needs. So we, again, accept just what it says. It makes it plain and clear. Paul is saying, you giving me enough, I'm pleased, I'm thankful, you give me what I needed. So now when you look at that from the total package of the scripture, you see now what it means. You see that it's not just for us to flex our muscles. I could do all things through Christ. No, it's again saying that when I'm getting beat up, I can do all things through Christ. When I'm being frustrated, I can do all things through Christ. When my money's low, I can do all things through Christ. And when this says do all things, that doesn't mean you can do them. It means I can still serve through Christ. I can still worship through Christ. And again, we lose sight of that through Christ part so often. We just say, I can do all things through Christ. We lose a part when it says, who strengthens me. So your strength to endure like Paul had to endure comes from God. Now, that's a nugget right there for someone who is going through situations and circumstances and you're tired and you're frustration and you're pulling your hair out. I can't pull my hair. But <laughs> you're pulling your hair out and you're wondering, oh my gosh, well, I can't do this. God is saying, in my strength, you can endure. So could it be the reason why you're fatigued in your faith because you're not trusting on God's strength instead of yours? Just another freebie there for the area so that's the thing we have to do. Accept what it says. Paul's letter was a letter of admonishment, a letter of encouragement, and ultimately a letter of thanks and gratitude. So as we wrap up this week, what's the takeaway? What is what is it that we can take away from the scripture now that we have a proper exegesis, a proper understanding? The takeaway is this scripture, Philippians 4.13, is not about what you can do. It's about what you can endure through Christ. Suffering is an example, is an expectation rather, as a Christian. But be encouraged that you are not suffering alone and you're suffering for the case of Christ. We don't like to talk about the benefits of suffering and the cause for suffering and the blessing that suffering brings. Because when you are not suffering, it forces us to go to Christ. And it forces him to strengthen us. And by strengthening us, we are not only strength strong enough to continue, we get closer to him because he's the one that strengthens us. He reminds us and gives us the impetus to keep going on. So that's it for this week. I hope that we got the area method to give you a better perspective of Philippians 4.13, that you and I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens us. If there's a scripture that you want me to break down, it's maybe something you hear a lot and you want me to kind of break it down. And even though it's in the book, you feel like it's out of context, put it in the chat, put it in the notes and leave me a note about it. And we can discuss it. And don't, don't worry. My episodes will continue, but just, I really felt a need to tackle this particular scripture this week. But as always, I thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Continue to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, Make sure your light shines brightest for the Lord Jesus Christ.
beyond the benediction. Until next time. Thank you.